Welcome to episode 57 of the Rogue Bogues Basketball Series. Myself, Andrew Bogut, welcome, and Mike Procopio, Hoop Consultants. How's it going? Bogues, what are you up to, man? I'm actually currently, I almost finished the first time ever, I almost finished a book in a day. Um, really good book written about like the 80s Celtics and um, Wish It Lasted Forever, it's called. And it just goes into like how the team was built and you know, talking about their coaches and Bird and McHale and Parrish. So if anybody's a, a big fan of, you know, of, of the Celtics, that era of basketball, and it's really cool just sort of, um, the, you know, the lifestyle back then versus now, as far as the hotels they stayed in, how they traveled. It's really good book. The guy who wrote it, Dan Shaughnessy, who's a really famous sports writer from uh, Boston, the Boston Globe. And, yeah, it's a really good book. So, so he was that. he was on the, he was on the beat during the eighties. He was on the beat on the eighties and, and for the Boston Globe and like he would he'd be in bars with these guys and talk to them. Yeah, you know, there's a lot more approachable. They didn't have the media rules back then. You know, where like all these players don't talk to anybody. But it was cool. It was interesting how he said like how Larry Bird handled media versus how Danny Ainge versus McHale and um, you know, it's, it's it was interesting. And then they. They went into the former coach they had, uh, Bill Fitch, who, you know, who actually Rick Carlisle worked under, who is sim- very similar in, in styles. And they go into the whole thing. And then they um, he resigned and they hired Casey Jones. And then they won a championship with him, this guy, Bill Fitch. And then like the players, just like he was on the players ass all the time and just really mean and like mean spirited. The guy died recently. It's like a hall- they just put him in the Hall of Fame. But um, he ended up going to the Houston Rockets, but they finally tuned him out. They hired Casey Jones, who's an assistant coach, but they just go into it like they go into the whole travel thing and how they stayed in like holiday inns and stuff like nothing like today. It's, it's just really, you know, you talk about like the WNBA and stuff and what they're dealing with, with like the travel and what they have to do. It's a lot similar, not pay wise, obviously, yet, but like. It's a lot similar to some of the things that they were talking about, but like how beat writers are right there, right? You know, and they would talk to them and how they like one instance where an NBA player would never do a guy named Scott Wedman. who was a really good shooter. Um, and they ended up like picking him up as a free agent. And he had like a, a stretch guy that, you know, that worked on him that wasn't a team physician at all. And the team didn't really have many physicians or like physio guys or whatever. So like, he was a, I guess he was like a pipe cleaner or something like that, like his regular job or a plumber. I forgot which one, but then like he was like stretching guys out, working on them. And then this guy Shaughnessy wrote an article about him. So Scott Webman, there was a game where he scored like 15 or 20 and he goes, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to you guys until this guy leaves, you know? So a typical like NBA move you'll see today. So the guy left. But like two or three days later, they're on the plane because they travel together. And Scott Wedman went back and sat with him and said, hey, I just want to let you know, I apologize for what I said. You know, it really hurt me what you wrote about my guy because it really hurt him, you know, because other players would work with him. And then he got banished from the locker room and stuff. 
but like he explained it, like a lot, a lot of those players would take heat from the media. Some of them would never, would just be, like shun them the rest of their lives. But a lot of them came up to him and had actually educated conversations with the guy about why they're mad with him or what, why they, like what, what they, what that guy wrote, why it hurt them. And then they would actually talk that stuff out. But it was pretty interesting how all that sort of dynamic worked. Yeah, it's definitely changed. You can, you, I mean, there was still some a small percentage of players that would do that, um, but generally it'd be fisticuffs or threats or, or like you said, shunning. So, I think um, I respect the old school mentality of like there were there were some journalists. Even when I played, there were some that would they'd write something kind of uh, that you that a player wouldn't like or whatever, and then purposely go right up to him the next day. <laughs> Yeah, and not hide from yeah. it. They're the ones I respected because I was like, you know, you're, you know what? Like, you're, you're writing, you wrote, you wrote a bad article about someone who's playing bad, about whatever antics, you know, whatever it is. But you're man enough to show up in the locker room and go face to face with him the next day. And you know, the players were kind of like they didn't like it, but they're like, you know, for me, as much as I hated in the moment, you look back and be like, at least he has the balls to show up and still talk to you and 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 maybe let you cuss him out and he'll hear you out or she. Um, but there's a lot of journalists that'll just that they'll sit at the back of those huddles. You won't even know they're there, and they'll write something, and then and then you won't see him again for f- two months, and then you'll see him again, you know. And so, there there definitely is a respect thing there. But um, anyhow, enough enough Celtics homerism again, pro opening another episode. <laughs> but uh, we got it. We got to sneak that in. We have a retraction, and I think it's a it's a good retraction because it's good news. <laughs> but um, I mentioned last week on our pod that CJ Bruden um, had cancer. Now. He had cancer many, many years ago while he was playing. Um, when he was playing for the New Zealand Breakers, and I guess I got sent a screenshot of uh, of, of of a tweet saying that he had cancer, um, which I thought was I think a lot of people thought was uh, came back or re- you know whatever the wording is that you use. Um, I'll read the tweet that I used. It was from John Casey, who was actually on on our NBL preview pod. Um, this is how it was worded. It was Adelaide coach CJ Bruton has revealed his cancer diagnosis as the 36ers campaign to raise funds for the Hospital Research Foundation. That's all it says. So I saw that. I got it sent to me by someone as a screenshot. And um, I guess my mistake for not clicking the link, but it was a screenshot. And then I thought, you know, shit, CJ's got cancer. So I gave him a shout out last podcast. And, and good news is he doesn't. Um, the wording was a bit, Interesting because it, it seemed like he had cancer again. Um, but I think once once the link was opened, um, it was in reference to he was revealing about his diagnosis ten years ago, how he was, how it all went down, and how emotional it was. And, and they're trying to raise money for um, Hospital Research Foundation there in Adelaide um, who do some cancer research. So good news, pro. Uh, but we did, you know, I did did make a fuck up, so I want to put it out there. And, and but like I said, this ends in, on a really good note that someone doesn't have cancer, pro. So. We're in, we're in good stead. Wow. I mean, yeah. The wording on these tweets are really weird. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't know if the guy was trying to be clickbaitish, but you know, you could really, I do that all the time. And you know, a lot of the people who put that stuff out there do it intentionally, but some people don't, but it's still not really like a clear sort of headline on it, you know, and it's easy to sort of get turned around with these things. Um, hey, unlike most, you retracted though. Most media would would just like scroll right past it. 
and it's a it's a positive retraction. <laughs> like whenever you whenever you make a mistake about someone having cancer, that's a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> without. Question. I hope my fucking doctor does that to me one day if I have cancer. Like, oh, actually, we screwed that one up. You don't have it. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you, man. You know, so um, <laughs> I, you know, CJ's obviously recovering from COVID, I think, and should be back in the next game or two. Um, if he hasn't maybe coached yesterday, I didn't watch the game, so we'll see. Anyway, all right, t- teams of the week. This was a tough week, bro. I'm putting in a I'm putting in a little tidbit for us. Um, okay. Your team of the week, either way, can only be eleven and up from now on. We're gonna we're gonna scrub out. We're scrubbing out Portland, Sacramento, the Thunder, the Rockets. They're gone. Get them out of here. We don't want to discuss them anymore. And the Magic Pistons, Pacers, and Knicks. They're gone. The Wizards are still floating there. We can almost put a line through them, but I want to start these team of the weeks both ways. I think we need to do it for teams that actually have a chance to be playing for something somewhat meaningful if you classify the playing as, as meaningful. But let's put that little tidbit in starting next week um, yeah. just because I think we can both agree that you know teams like the Magic could be the team of the very week every week <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or the Pacers yeah. or the Pistons or the, even the Knicks have been playing well actually. But other than that. So anyway, all right, my team, my team of the week is the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I had notables of Boston, uh, Denver and Minnesota. But Milwaukee, they got some some big game. They, they won some big games. Look, there were some injuries in some of the teams they played, but they can only beat what's in front of them. They've been they beat Charlotte, Miami, Chicago, Phoenix, OKC, and Atlanta. So five out of six of those are playoff teams. Two out of three, or two out of six, maybe three, if you, if you count Chicago on, on the top end of their conferences. So they're going to be probably going deep into the playoffs. So six good wins there. Seven and three in the last ten. They're playing real well. Um, their bench is starting to really click a little bit. I think they're starting to find find their rotations. They're, they're 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 you know they just seem like it's starting to fit. It's starting to they're healthy. Their rotations the way you know coach wants to, wants it to be. You know let's let's not forget Giannis is once again having an unbelievable MVP caliber year. But the Milwaukee Bucks surging at the right time, pro and and they were at one point I think they were out of the ten. No, they were ten or. Nine or ten or eleven at one point early in the season without all the injuries, we knew they weren't going to stay there. Obviously, but there were some a little bit of worries about that that championship hangover. But they've they've really bounced back well, and um, it looks like they're going to make a really good push. They're in second place right now, they've, so they've, they've come a long way. They're, they're forty two and twenty five. Um, they're two and a half games behind first, and they're one and a half uh, games clear of, of Philly, who are in third. Pro, but that is my team of the week. What do you got? All right, so my team of the week is going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are bogues. They are playing. They, you know, these guys are hot. They've won seven out of their last 10. Um, you know, they're playing really well. Edwards is, you know, killing it. Beasley, killing, you know, playing really well off the bench. Obviously, you know, other guys involved, you know, their bench has been playing well. And, and I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be a little bit dangerous come playoff time. You know, in the last, last couple of days, they beat, you know, they've, they've lost to Orlando, which isn't the greatest, but they, they beat Oklahoma city by 30, beat Portland by 40, but they've been playing well, like up to, up to this point besides that one Orlando game. But I think they're really good. They're really play They're really winning games. And I think they got youth. I think they've, they play hot every night. Uh, those guys have finally figured it out with the, you know, with their bench and all. I, I think they're going to be a tough team. Um, I, I really do. I think they're going to be 
I think they're a team that could play out of the play-in at some point and maybe even get as high as six. And I think they're they're going to be a tough out. What do you think about Minnesota, Bo? Yeah, I like them. I feel like they're kind of the Atlanta or the New York of last season. Um, I think they're in that realm. Like I think they can surprise a lot of people, can maybe get mm-hmm. to a second round um, second round playoff series. Um, and they, they Look, they deserve it. They, they've, they've had a lot of bad years. They've, they've finally rebuilt and had – a solid. They've got a solid core now. Um, I think they've got good role players. They, like you said, they've got a good mix of youth, like, you know, um, Beverly. Um, you know, I, I think they've got a really good mix of, of, of what they're trying to do, um, different tools, especially for, you know, sometimes playoff series to playoff series can – there can be different matchups where, you know, a Beverly might not play as much in one series and the next series he's playing 40 because he's guarding James Harden or whatever it is or – you know, obviously they're in the West, so they wouldn't play them to the finals. But you get my point, right? So um, I like them. I think they're they're, they're finally starting to. I'm still not 100 percent sold on them. Like I said at the start of the season, they need to show me a little bit more in the playoffs. But um, I'm starting to come around on them. I think they, I think Towns is really, you know, letting the game come to him. I, I read an article uh, today that a lot of teams are starting that they're hiding their center on on um, on their center or or their four. And they're trying to put um, a quick agile guy on Towns, and then he's just going down on the block and punishing people. And then, and then you put a slow big like myself. Let's say, say you put okay, we'll put we'll put a Bogut or you know a big strong big to guard him on the block. Then he takes you outside. <laughs> so, um, really, really versatile. And I think they're yeah, they've got a chance. I think they're still still probably a piece or two away in the off season if they can get get another veteran or someone that can really contribute a second tier star to to complement that group they have there. Or a third tier star, I think they'll be they'll be they'll be primed to be potentially a second, third round team. Um, but yeah, good, yeah, good I mean, pick up. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, with, with, like you said, with Russell Towns, you know, Russell and Towns, Edwards, those are the three, and then guys like Beasley, Vanderbilt, you know, McDaniel's is playing, you know, playing hard. Beverly, you know, I think that they're, they're good. They're look. I don't think they're a world beater. I think you. I think you're right. I think they're one or two pieces away from really doing something. But I think that they're they're an exciting team that not a lot of people thought much of, me included. But I think Anthony Edwards is really coming on strong. And then, you know, with with the player Towns, like you said, he's really, really developed. And it takes big sometimes. It takes him a while. I was with him early in his career in China with those Nike trips. And I'll tell you what, the guy works his ass off. And he's strong, you know, strong. He can shoot it. He can drive it. He's, uh, you know, he's pretty, you know, not going to win defensive player of the year anytime soon, but the other stuff that he does is really good. And, you know, I'm not really a big Russell fan, but, you know, D'Angelo has been playing pretty well this year and, you know, settling in those guys are winning games and yeah, you know, let's see if they could sort of keep it up. Who do you got as a uh, team of the week? Oh, just quickly to finish on the Wolves. It doesn't look oh, like, sorry. it doesn't look like they can move up too much. They're two and a half behind six and they're three behind, uh, three and a half behind Dallas. I don't think they're catching Dallas at five. Maybe the Nuggets, if, if the Nuggets completely implode. So it looks like, um, and the, I doubt they'll fall lower. Um, the Clippers are, they're three and a half ahead of the Clippers in, um, who are in eight. So it looks like they're going to probably face um, either the Warriors or the Grizzlies in the first round. So, um, yeah, and I, I tell you what, they they the Warriors. I'm not too worried about if they're healthy, but they could pose a bit of bit of a bit of a scare. Um, not 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 too much of a threat, but maybe six games, maybe seven games against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are still a young team that haven't. They're exciting. They're fun. They're but we we haven't seen it in the playoffs yet with John Morant, right? So 
that's where he's coming out part he's going to have to be um, to, to solidify himself even more as, as a, you know that, that's where you make your stage Steph made his stage you know whatever right so um, that'll be a, a I wouldn't say a scary one but it's not the you, you'd rather be facing the Clippers or the Lakers than the Timberwolves in my opinion if you're if you're the Grizzlies at three so we'll watch that space but um, yeah my team of the week it was a, it was a hard one this week bro um, there was a lot of teams that went that split the week or went two and two or um, but I had to go with Cleveland. Um, they they went three and seven. Um, so not, not, look, not a horrible week. And, and some of their um, some of their losses weren't awful. Um, but yeah, they, they were probably the most logical um, to go after. And and you look at some of their losses. Um, just as I scroll this up here, um, they weren't they weren't dismal. They lost to Miami last game. Uh, they beat. Uh, Indiana and Toronto before that, but then lost three straight, which was Minnesota, Charlotte, and, and Philadelphia. So, um, just on trending form, probably the last ten games, they haven't been great. They've been really consistent. They've kind of had, um, you know, they'd win four straight, lose three straight, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose three straight, win two straight, lose one. You know, so they're they're, they're struggling to find a bit of that consistency that they had um, early on in the season. You know, they had multiple seven, eight game win streaks at different points in the season. So um, they're kind of you know, I, I'm not too worried about them. I think they'll be okay when, when it's all said and done. Um, but right now, you know, they're sitting in – where are they sitting in in sixth? So they were, they were almost at third at one point um, a couple of weeks ago, if you remember correctly. Um, but the, the, the East is now starting to take shape, um, I think, with Philly retooling as well. Brooklyn will start to surge as well. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where, where they where they end up. But they're, they're four games clear of Brooklyn who are in eight. Toronto, they're two games clear on who are in seven. So they could they could potentially drop down um, into that playing realm. And that's going to be interesting to watch, bro. Yeah, like you said, Cle- um, I mean, they were hot early. I mean, for sure, they were playing really well. Injuries have really hurt them. You know, Sexton, you know, missing Sexton for the year. And, and you know, they missed Allen for a little bit. Rondo was out. You know, you know Rubio obviously losing him for the year and then trading him. It's It's been, it's been a rough sort of, a rough climb. It's been an up and down season for those guys. I think, um, I think they're still going to be pretty good in the playoffs. I still think they play hard. You know, I, I really like Allen. I really like Mobley. Garland's played well. You know, obviously I'm a big Rondo fan. Kevin Love has sort of fell into his own um, and sort of you know found a, a rhythm and a role for that team. But um, yeah, they've they've definitely felt has fallen on some hard times lately. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that with them. What do you got? I've got the Indiana Pacers. I'm going to play my bottom five card the last time uh, of the season. So, you know, I I don't know if they're really trying to win games or not. I mean, I know they made the trade and and they've got Halliburton and and Heald and the guys that they sort of, you know, want maybe some, some fresh blood in there, but, you know, losing to, you know, lost to Cleveland yesterday, your guys, and then they beat, um, I'm sorry, they lost to them on Tuesday. They got, they lost to, Washington by 10 and you know they just been they're just not playing well they haven't had many games this week but you know even before that they were losing so I think you know I don't know what they're doing I don't know if they're just losing because look they've got these new guys and they're going to lose and try to get draft picks and, and high picks but um it wouldn't surprise me if they were doing that but they're just not playing well right now they're just not in a good place maybe maybe the guys are saying hey look season's over we got 15 games or, or so left and they're just sort of riding it out. But um, I don't really 
sort of like watching them play the last few games. I think, you know, they got to sort of find another gear, but it is the end of the year. They've got not a lot to play for. So you know how that goes, Bogues. So, you know. Yeah, 22 and 45, they're in full tank mode, obviously. Um, they they can't catch the Pistons, I don't think, unless they absolutely implode. They're four games ahead of the Pistons in 14. Um, the Magic are, are all the way down there. Um, they're a half game behind or ahead if you you know if you if you're playing draft picks um you know <laughs> the magic it definitely look like they have that locked up and then you've got the rockets we've won a few games are late i don't think the management would like that too much pro but um yeah the lakers the lakers always will get you a win at the right time um but yeah it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see um, where, where all the picks land, um, what the Knicks do as well. You know, the Knicks were playing well this last week and then lost a tough one in Memphis, but they've, they've been playing really well, I thought, um, but just too little too late. Um, they, they could still scrape in maybe if, if things bounce their way, but I highly doubt that. Um, but, yeah, the draft, pick, the draft pick lotteries are going to be starting up and it looks like the Magic are, are up there with, with Houston as a favourite and then you got, obviously, Pistons, Pacers, um, who should be should be in contention? The Thunder might scrape in as well. So um, and Sacramento, shit, lost three straight as well. So they could have been in contention um, for for a team of the week. All right, we'll move on to our guy Pop, becomes the all time winningest head coach in NBA history. Pro thirteen thirty six, one thousand three hundred thirty six. He passed Don Nelson. Um, I mean, what, what do you hear about it? Do you hear – have you heard anything in your circles about how much longer he wants to coach? Because we've heard the last five years, one more year, one more year, one more year. Um, doesn't want to do it anymore, doesn't want to do it anymore. Doesn't want to do it anymore. I, can, I can tell you that this, this record meant a lot to him because this is the main reason why he's still continuing to coach a team that's, that's slash, you know, lottery bound slash playing. Um, but, yeah, what, what are you hearing? Do you think he's going to keep, keep progressing on or he's going to just, you know, start drinking some of those – Thousand million dollar bottles of wine he's got stashed away there in the house. You know, you know how the Spurs are. They're like J. Edgar Hoover. You, you're not going to get anything out of them as far as intel. But um, I haven't heard anything as far as what he wants to do. You know, obviously he's been getting progressively more grumpy year in and year out, and you know about you know you know this thing or that thing. I, I do think he does enjoy the, the young guys and coaching and try to mold people and things. The problem is, as a competitor, it, it can't be fun when your team's not very good. There's not really a lot on the horizon they can be like, you know what, like, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna revolve our whole team around this, this, this player, and you know, this, this, this player, or these players are gonna take us, you know, take us to the next level. I mean, Dejounte Murray, we've talked about, you know, he's probably their best young player, and then you get guys like Keldon Johnson and. You know, it's just it's just not enough. You know, it's just not enough as far as to, all right, you're going to hang on two or three years because this is going to happen. It's not like they're a bottom two team where they're going to they have going to have a chance for this juggernaut draft pick to take them to another level. They they're just no one really wants to go there as far as big time free agents. They don't have these draft picks that could really you know help them. We've talked about this before. It's not like they have the Duncan Ginobili you know, Parker deal where they could just keep on revolving players around those guys, Kawhi and, and, and all that. So I don't know, maybe another year, you know, two tops, but I can't see him going all that, you know, that further as far as what, what he's, you know, going further with this, you know, at his age, he's done the wins record. I don't think anyone's going to catch him anytime soon. So, I mean, that's, that's a hell of an accomplishment and a hell of a career and, you know, well-respected coach and, gold medal you know olympics and all that but 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee him going all that much further, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything, but man, is he fucking grumpy. I told you, we, we played them in the playoffs and it is probably him, his whole career, not, not just now, but we played them in the playoffs, folks. He would call multiple timeouts and not even talk to his team and just bitch out Tony Parker. Like fucking <laughs> rip him a new way. I'm looking over and I'm like, I'm not even like looking at what we're doing in the huddle. I'm looking at him. He is fucking destroying Tony Parker and doesn't talk to his team for two seconds in the huddle and just fucking rips him. For and that was post minutes. all the chips, right? Yeah, this was like, I want to say 14. Yeah. Maybe third. Yeah, like, nah, yeah. No, maybe it was, yeah, I think it was like 14. Yeah, so he's got a few chips under his belt, yeah, and he's still not good enough for a good old pop, right? Oh, man, it's crazy. Yeah, but, you know, it is what it is. But, hey, like I said, hell of a career. It's great, but not, you know, I think it's coming to an end. What do you think, folks? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, congratulations to him because it's a hell of a a, uh, mark to make um, to do that in, in you know, the greatest basketball league in the world. Um, But I'm not sure. Like I agree with you. I think he, you know – he does look grumpier as days go on. He does, um, you know, the, the the halftime interviews that they've just basically all they basically stopped doing with him. <laughs> just like we're not, yeah. even, we're not even going to ask anymore, or they get an assistant right. to do it because they're just like, ah, no, nah, we're good. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, like you said, what 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 would be the incentive for a guy like that to continue to be coaching a team that's fringe playoff playing lottery um probably at least for maybe maybe i think they'll be they'll, they should be a playoff playing team next season um with another year of growth for the young guys um and a little bit of cap space but yeah i agree I, I'm, I'm not sure um because you know as players and coaches that when i was in the league you'd always hear he's going to be done soon he's going to be done soon or he's going to transition into the gm front office role or or the president or they're going to move him into some sort of role and they're going to move. They're going to kind of nurture the next blood to run the Spurs for the next 20, 30 years, and it just never happens. So I, I don't know. Maybe they haven't found their guy or girl. Um, there, there were rumors that it was, was supposed to be a girl, wasn't it, pro at one point? So that didn't happen. So um, I'm not sure how much longer he goes on. But yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he. Um, he's probably thinking too much about that in a way where he's discussing it with, with, with many people. You know what I mean? I think he I think he knows. And like you said, the cards are close to his chest. The Spurs maybe know. Um, but I'd, I'd give him another couple of years. He'll, he'll clip that record. And then I guess then the question, the next question is, which coach do you think has the best chance to, to get close to that record? Oh, boy. Because um, Steve Kerr's at – I just looked it up. He's, he's at 421 wins already. And he's only coached eight years. So – you know, times times that by three, he breaks the record, right? Um, and and that's that's nowhere near as many years as coach uh, as Pop has coached. You know, Pop's in his what his third 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 decade, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's Doc Rivers, maybe. Um, I'm not sure, but if you had to pick a guy, who would be a guy? I I'd, I'd probably say for regular season wins, I would say probably Doc Rivers might have the best chance because look, he has a thousand. A yeah, you have to you have to catch a wave for a long time. Like Pop, right off the bat, had Duncan and Robinson, and then he transitioned from that to get Parker and Ginobili, and then Kawhi, and he rode a wave from like 1998 to 2000, and I don't know what 2016, 17 mm. of like juggernaut teams. 
never really had to face adversity, you know, and, he, and that's a long time. That's literally 19 years of dominating teams. And I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, so maybe I'm wrong and maybe he had a year or two, but I think he was very good in those like 19 years or so. And he's still okay now in the last few. I think with Kerr, I think that team in the next few years is going to transition to something very much different than what you see today. I think Steph's going to slow down. Blay's going to slow down. And now the young guys that they have on, <clears throat> on their roster are decent. Like they're, you know, they have a chance to be, you know, a chance to be pretty good with, you know, <clears throat> with the guys they have like Kaminga and Wiseman, who knows, but like Draymond, you know, Clay, Steph. I, you know, so what's, what's Kerr going to do then? Like, that's the only thing. He's got 400 plus wins now. But like he could be that championship after, team pro that that team that every championship team full of stars says we want that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like Phil Jackson, like he had roles. Like sell, um, you know, he had Chicago, he had LA, where he had those juggernauts. Look, this league is filled with good coaches, no question about it. But you only win team, you only win games because of your talent for the most part. You're not out X and know somebody to win an extra 15 games a year. That's that's that stuff's all media bullshit. Like you need talent or you don't win. We've seen it. We've seen Phil Jackson get his brains beaten. We've seen Steve Kirk get his brains beaten. We've seen Doc Rivers get his brains beaten. We've seen all we've seen Pop get his brains beaten. All when they didn't have talent. And I think that you have to be really lucky to get on top. Now, Don Nelson coached for a long time. He had a lot of really good teams where like 50 wins, 55 wins. Then he had a he had a few really horrible. really good yeah. teams. And he had horrible yeah, too. He had the other side yeah, too. Yeah, he right? did. Hmm. He did. But a lot of these guys that's coached forever that were high on that list, like they had to have a lot of years where they were pretty good. And you know, because Don Nelson had a lot of losses, and I don't know what his winning percentage was, but it wasn't great. And you know, compared to somebody who you expect to be up top, Doc Rivers. Now he could ride a wave for another four years or so if they keep hiding in and be together. In Philly, so yeah. that like, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. Like, there are some really good coaches that never get their due because they never really had great teams. Then you had these guys that were decent coaches that rode it, you know, forever, and then had this great stuff. Like, you know, Phil Jackson ain't coaching. You know, he's not fucking grabbing like the Washington Wizards to sixty-five wins. I don't give a fuck if he runs the triangle, the trapezoid, or the fucking isosceles triangle, you know, offense. It doesn't matter. Without Kobe, without, you know, Jordan, without, you know, all those Pippen, without all those great Shaq, without all those great players that he's coached, I can't see it. Maybe a Spolstra. I haven't even seen what Spolstra is as far as the win total. But, um, you know, he's going to ride a wave of really good teams for a while. And he's very young. So I don't know how long he wants to coach for. but. Um, yeah, it's interesting though when you talk about who's got a chance to, you know, to eclipse this stuff with the wins. But you need luck. You need you need a great, you know, you need some great players that are young that stays with you for a long time. And now with these young players, Bogues, none of them want to stay for in one place too long. So it's hard to really, you know. So is the thirteen thirty six? Is that is that not including playoffs and finals? A good question. I don't know what it, I don't know what they count. I don't know if it's regular season. Or total, it's probably total, right? Yeah, I think it's total. Yeah, I think it is total. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, so. I noticed you mentioned regular season wins, but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's total. So that that obviously, you know, if you're a playoff team or a deep finals team, that gives you a pretty good 
bump up on your all-time wins. <laughs> no doubt. So if you could, yeah, because you play in what an extra, you might be twenty thirty games. Extra, yeah, twenty yeah. thirty wins. Like if you're going, if you're going six games in each series and then go to a finals, you know, um, you know, you're getting close to, to mid twenties there. Um, you know, shit. Yes, yeah, so that, that definitely helps. But that, that means you are winning, so you are doing well. But yeah, I agree with you as on the on the coaching thing. I think I think a good coach might might squeak out five more wins for you, maybe. Um, in a regular season, maybe, but yeah, they, these these people that think a coach is going to going to automatically tax on fifteen wins, you, like you don't see Vegas, you know, changing someone's win ratio by fifteen because a because a really good coach signed at some team, right? Like they're looking strictly at the talent, and they might they might give you a bump of three or four or five, but you know, if, if you're a shitty team, like you know, Phil Jackson comes out of retirement and 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 coaches the Detroit Pistons, like. They're not moving the needle much. Like the better the betters aren't moving it. And that, that's usually what you look at for for true reality and, and blunt, honest truth about a team is generally where they sit in the betting market, right? Um, you can look at all that analysis and listen to podcasts like ours about what, what we say, or but if you want point blank, you know, that they are wrong at times, but you want the truth for the most part, the betters aren't gonna get it wrong because there's there's a shitload of money on the line. So um, that's always always something to look at, but yeah, interesting one. I think Steve Kerr's obviously shot out of a cannon for his first eight years of his coaching career, and just fa- fell into a pot of gold and and doing very very well with it. But yeah, it will be it'll be interesting to see if the if the brakes come off and and they um you know they start just going five hundred seasons or whatnot and and just seeing who's going to catch pop one day. I mean, it's a long a long I mean, long time. Uh, you know, Bogues he had a hundred and seventy playoff wins. Yeah. 170. Pat Riley, 171. Phil Jackson's got 229, you know, to his record. So yeah, I mean, if they if they do count playoffs, which I assume they do, um, that's that's a lot like that you could add to it, but it's a lot of luck involved with this stuff. You have to have the roster, you know, they have to have the roster and you have to have the horses, and they gotta stay long enough to really, you know, dig into that win total. So that's tough, man. I think Doc Rivers has a chance. You know, he's about 300 wins shy. You know, I mean, I don't know how long, I don't know how much. But Pop's still coaching, coach. though. Pop's still coaching, too. Yeah, so, Pop's still coaching. so the numbers yeah. are going up. Yeah, and he should close to probably go 1.7, 1.8 more on what Pop is doing right now because he's got a good Philly team. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he's coached 2,030 games as well. So he's 1,336 and 694. It's, it's an insane amount of basketball games, you know, 30 odd yeah. years of, of coaching. I think so. Kerr. No doubt. I think Kerr or Spolstra probably has a really good chance in one of those two. You know, if they, especially if they're going to coach for a lot longer, if they're going to coach another 15, 20 years, I think they'll have a chance. But yeah, it's tough, man. That's, it's, uh, that's a good question, though. That's a good, we never really talk about that too much. And that's a, that's a pretty good, sort of decent talking point. Well, Spolstra is, he's at 652 and 447. So he's 652 wins. So he's, he's halfway there. So he, he could possibly do it too. You forget that he's been around for, 14 odd years, like you know, he, he kind of snuck in there when after Van, Gu- Van Gundy transitioned out and whatnot, and he's 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 held down that that post. So um, you kind of forget about him sometimes in, in in these conversations. So that's a very good name to bring up. Um, but all right, moving on to the next thing. So LeBron Pro is uh, I know we give him a lot of shit for a lot of different reasons, but you can't you can't fault his his basketball prowess. He he's leading the league at the, in scoring at the moment, Pro. Um, I don't know if you know this, but he's albeit by point, you know, zero three, but he's leading the league. He's he's at twenty nine point seven one, 
Embiid is at uh, 29.68 and then Giannis 29.66. There's a lot to happen to, between now and the end of the season. But to do that at 37, bro, um, and I know, I know he's taken one end off, which he clearly is. Like he's not he's not guarding at one end. The Lakers play no defense. If you know, if you're a LeBron fan, I apologize. But if you watch the games, he's he's clearly clearly conserving energy for the for the offensive end. And by all means, their, their season's basically a nothing burger. Um, they might you know, get into a plane, might might get to the, the playoffs if they're lucky. If they get two good games and play real well. And he's conserving everything, forgetting his 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 stats inflated, rightfully so. You should be allowed to do that if he wants to, because he's, he's that that's kind of all he can really salvage out of this season. But yeah, I mean, twenty nine point seven one a night at thirty seven is is uh, uh, that does deserve some praise, regardless. Um, you still have to go out there and do it. So I thought I'd give him a a quick shout out and say it's you know it's been pretty pretty impressive to watch that at thirty seven pro. And and also, like. You could fault the guy, and we all do. We all talk. We we all take shots at him, you know, for one reason or another. But the guy doesn't want to be embarrassed, you know, as far as his team, right? In in the sense that, look, they're not going anywhere. There's no doubt about it. They're not. I don't care what he wants to say in the in social media or in the media. Teams aren't going anywhere. It just it, it, that's just sort of how it, how it goes. But I think that he has to do this just to keep the games like respectable. So let's keep it even in games against the Houston Rockets or, or, or teams like that or Washington or Indiana, like he needs to get out there and score 35 a night for them just to have a chance. And look, Westbrook isn't playing well. Davis is out. The rest of the group really out. Carmelo's trying, but come on, you know, the, re- the rest of the group just isn't very good. So he's got to go out there and not play any defense and try to score 40 a night. Cause if he doesn't do that, they can't beat anybody. Folks, they just can't beat anybody. They're just, they're not a good team, and it's not really bashing them. It's just sort of what, what our eyes are seeing and what the numbers are telling. And, yeah, it is amazing at 37. Like, you watch the great ones and how they sort of – look, Jordan did it. You know, Jordan could score 50 in, you know, in, in, in his high 30s. He could score 50 in a game here and there, and, you know, Kobe could go off. But at 37, to be averaging 29 a game, that is impressive. Like, though, I don't think Kobe, I, I got to look it up. I don't know what Kobe and MJ scored like later on in their career, but I don't think it was 29. You know, this, this, no, no, uh, definitely it wasn't. Not a 30, not a 37, not a 37. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's Jordan, amazing. Jordan had that 50 ball with, with Washington, but I don't believe he was, he wasn't leading the league in scoring or even, no. in, even in contention to lead, lead the league in scoring. You know, he had a lot of nights where he was, you know, I remember those games because I was in college, you know, four for 18, five for 20, he had a lot of those nights. Um, LeBron's, you know, um, just continuing to put it together and, you know, I know Washington aren't great, but that, that that performance was impressive. He just said, you know what, I'm just going to turn this on, give the fans a show and knock down some big threes for him. So that's been interesting to watch. I, I don't think that will be matched. And I think the stat muse did something um, saying that, that the next – the next highest PPGs for someone at 37, I think, was Kareem, and that was, I think, that was 14 points a night. I think it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that tells you, man, like he's he's almost he's almost doubled him. Oh, he has doubled him. Sorry, yeah, 14, yeah, 14 point, yeah, so 29, um, which is just crazy, you know, at 37 years old. At MJ, MJ, so at MJ at 38, average 22.9, and at 39, average 20. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you look at that and you're like, wow, that's pretty good. But that's eight points a game less than this guy. And the rebounds and assists. Matt, 
Um, let me see. Yeah, LeBron, LeBron would be the high end. Six both rebounds. Yeah, six. So he's averaging, MJ averaged six rebounds, four assists, and then LeBron is averaging, uh, let me see, LeBron's averaging eight rebounds and six assists. Yeah, yeah. But whatever protein shake he's on, he needs to market the shit out of that thing. Because at 37, this fucker's coming on, you know, like he's like he's 18 years old. And it's it's amazing. It is. Like I, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but I am a fan of his talent. Yeah, and the so, guy's a talented motherfucker. Yeah, we got to appreciate appreciate it because he's going to be gone soon. I'm not looking forward to looking uh, watching all the all the antics with Bronny and what he do, what he does to a team that's going to make you know that the drafts his son and then he's I'm not gonna, I'm not interested in all that. I'm not a fan of that, but that, if that's what he wants to do, he's one of the greatest ever played. By all means, go go and do it. Who am I to who am I to say not to? But um, I got to respect you know his body of work and everything that he's done. So. That's been been fun to watch. Um, I'll ask you: Do you think you, do you think he remains on top as a scoring leader by end of the season, Pro? Oh no, no, no! I think I, I don't. I don't really think so. I think the way Embiid's playing and the numbers he's putting up. Well, it's Embiid and Giannis. It's Embiid and Giannis, yeah. and Jokic was up there. He's fallen off a little bit. I think he will, Pro. Here's why: He has nothing else to play for right now. Good point. And that's why I think he's just gonna he's just gonna gun. I, I really do. I think he's gonna really just go out there and gun and have bad shooting nights and still get thirties in him. I think he's gonna salvage something out of this season and it's gonna be, you know, I'm thirty seven and I just led the league in scoring. So I think he's got a really good chance. Cause don't forget, they're not they're not really a good team. They, you know, I think Embiid's hurt by the fact that now he's got James next to him for the scoring title. I really do. I think that that affects it a little bit. They'll win more games, but I think it could affect his individual stats. And I said that when that trade happened, how will this impact his MVP running and, and all that? Because you've got a bona fide superstar next to you. Giannis is the, the curveball because they, they they do everything through Giannis. So he, he could pip him. But, I, I, you know, I think the, the Lakers games are just so much more low stakes at this point. They, they know they're going to be a plane. Um, they're going to try to shock the world from a plane. So he, I think he's just going to go gung ho. I think he really will. And and like I said, they're not they're not buying into the defensive end. They're not grinding out playoff type possessions. He's saving himself on one end. So I think he might. I think he might remain at top. Um, that's just a gamble that I that I would be willing to take. I think when it's all said and done, barring injury and everything, I think LeBron will be a scoring champ. So we'll watch his space. Who you got? You think Embiid's going to still get it? I'll tell you who the fuck's going to get it is Jock Londale. He's got 11 and two right now in 10 minutes of action tonight against the Indiana. Free Jock Landale. Yeah. Hashtag. There he is. There he is. 11 points. Our guy. Right on cue. uh, Right on cue. Right on fucking cue. No, I think, um, I mean, yeah, he's going to score a shitload of points. You are right about that. And I, you know, I say it because he's got to do it and he wants to do it. Uh, come on, he wants that top scoring champion thing, no doubt about it. On top, but he needs to do it to keep them in, you know, because he he's gonna get, you know, he's gonna get booed off the stage there. It's not gonna be pretty there, and he's got to try to do everything that he can to keep those guys even in close games. And yeah, I think he's gonna. I think you're right. Oh, you're, you're arguing against yourself. Games. You've 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 yeah. you've turned yourself against yourself. I yeah, like it. This ain't the first or the last time. Let's be honest. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I got you over this, over to the the light side. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The Wizards pro are discussing or rumored to be considering bringing back John Wall. Would you do it, pro? Not in a fucking. <laughs> not if you pay me a million fucking dollars. I would. Why would they do it? Not well, if you. 
this has to be fluff, right? Like why why I mean you you you've gone somewhat younger to an extent. You have some good pieces in Kuzma and whatnot, um, Porzingis. Why why would you why would you even consider this? Look, he's got a lot of history in the town. You know, they drafted him as a young high school kid. I mean, I, I'm sorry, con, um, uh, one year at Kentucky. And, you know, he's got history there. And there is history in the organization. And, you know, he meant a lot to that town for a while. It's sort of like not quite Iverson to Philly, but he was there for a long time. And he had r- deep roots there. But it didn't end well. and. Look, he's not a guy that's really great for your morale, especially when you're trying to, like, battle over some things. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Bradley Beal. I know, I don't know where the report came from, but both of them are saying, yeah, we'll play with each other. That's great. It didn't work so fucking great a few years ago, if anybody remembers. And, you know, everybody reverts back to who they really are in the, same, in the NBA. Like, you could say all the right things. You know, oh, I worked on my shot in the offseason. I became a great guy. I found God, all this stuff. But 20 games later, the guy who can't shoot still can't shoot. The guy who's not a good teammate getting fight in the locker room and spitting in people's faces. The guy who found God, you know, beat up some girl. You know, like all this stuff reverts back to who these people really are, who they are. And he was a little bit of a pain in the ass. He was a big pain in the ass at the end of and they got rid of him, and they, you know, they they found any trade that they could find to get him out of town. And I just wouldn't take the guy back. Look, you don't know what's going to happen, with Bradley Beal, if he's going to stay or not. You've got Porzingis, you got Kuzma, you know, you know, you've got some okay young players, Hatchamora, you know, Gafford's okay. You know, you get, you know, I don't know what Crispert's going to end up doing in his career, but like, you got some okay players. Why would you? Why would you go that way? You've already. You know, look, you got the Westbrook, you know, you got, you had to take Westbrook back for him. And then you, you got, you lucked out and you got this trade that brought you Kyle Kuzma who's putting up, you know, 17 and eight in career numbers for you, you know, and, you know, KCP is actually decent too, but like now you got that piece and then you've got these young guys, you're going to have a draft pick. You're going to, you're going to have all this stuff. You don't know what Przingis is going to do. You're definitely going to have Przingis probably for at least another year. So you don't know where that's going to lead. He's averaging 19 and seven as, as a, as a wizard. So like, how would you bring that on? Why would you bring John Wall on? I could see why the Lakers do it. You know, I could see why the Lakers would want him because they just rearranged the deck chairs of the Titanic. You know, they go from one train wreck to another, you know, from Westbrook to him, but why not? They, they got nothing to lose, but like Washington, you're trying to dig out of the trenches. You're trying to dig out of the dirt and you got a, couple of decent pieces. You got a new coach that's doing a pretty good job. I just don't know why you would bring him back. I mean, you know, for nostalgia reasons, I, I, don't, I don't understand, you know. Yeah, no, I just – plus, like, you feel like it was his town for so long. Does he come back there and then have that mentality still in the locker room? Like, this is still my shit, you know. So I think they're, 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 yep. they're in a point where they need to rebuild just, just – Start tweaking it. Um, I don't think they need to blow it up. They've got some good pieces there that they can build around. Um, but start going young and, and 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 rebuilding your next John Wall. But yeah, I saw that and I was like, why would you? Why would you even consider that? I mean, he's not a veteran presence. He's not a guy that's going to come in and be happy with twenty a game or whatever it is, twenty minutes a game off the bench or whatever. And or what you know, even if he's starting, not you know playing a limited role. So I, I don't see why you do it. The Lakers thing is just hilarious because I'm just like. 
you know, they're both, you know, him and Russ are a little bit different players to an extent. I think John's got a better three-point three, three point shot um, that's a little bit more consistent um, than Russell. Not, not, not a consistent three-point shot, but then Russell. But they're similar players. They, they attack the paint, quick guards that want to get in. They're, they're kind of, you know, always around that triple-double mark at times. John Moore's had some big nights um, statistically before. So, like you said, you, you just – you, 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 they're, they're very alike in my opinion so I don't think that fixes their problems and I think their ageing roster is a big issue they need to get some youth there so we've discussed that at length but um, yeah just one I, I scratched my head with alright Nick Stauskas did you see this this was a great story uh, really really cool story so for those not familiar Nick Stauskas was a top 10 pick many 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 years ago um, he's been playing you know, we had him on our shortlist, funnily enough, pro with um, as, a, as a hopeful import we could get to, to, to come out of here and play for the Sydney Kings, but he, he, he was like, no, you know, all his people were like, no, he's, he's staying in, if he doesn't pan out in the G League, he's just not going to not gonna come overseas, he's not going to go overseas and we'll, we'll try him because we're like, man, he's a, he's a bucket, we really liked him. But anyway, he, um, he was on record as saying that this was kind of going to be his last season in the G League, he's going to give it one more, one more shake and, and then call it a day um, and then he, he goes out and has 57 one night and 43 the next night. Um, and and get signed by Boston Celtics Pro on a, on a multi year deal. Now it's, I'm, I'm sure it's not all fully guaranteed and whatnot, but um, fantastic story. Yeah, you know it goes to show you, Bogues, how hard it is to make this league. You know, to make the NBA. And and look, he had a pretty good college career. He didn't have a great college career. He played at Michigan for two years. Was a first round pick, and I I remember watching him in summer league. And you know, this is kid who could shoot a little bit. He was physically outmatched. He can't really go by people. Defense is a problem. He was always a good shooter throughout his whole career. Shot 40, I think shot 44% in college. And he just never could, you know, find his niche. It wasn't like Jimmer Fredette, who, who was like a complete scoring machine in college. And then he goes to China and could score 80 in a game. He's not one of those. Now, he did a couple of those in the G, G League the other night, no doubt about, no doubt about that. But like... It just it just goes to show you, like you're a good high school player, good college player, drafted eighth, you know, you know eighth by the Sacramento Kings, and just can't find your rhythm. And then you get traded, and then you get traded again, and then you get cut, and then you got to go to Spain, and then like, and then people forget you. And like, this is a good player, good kid, does everything right. It just can't can't find one of 510 spots in the NBA for a little bit of a period of time. And it just, it goes to show it's just really hard. You know, when people just take for granted how they just think it's easy to make the NBA, you just got to put up some points and then you're there. You, you got to, and then once you're there, you've got all these people trying to take your spot and this guy just battled through. I could see why he would want to quit. It's really like, you don't understand. Like everything was going, everything goes well for you. And then you, you turn around and then you blink your eye and then everybody forgets you. You're done. And no one wants to bring you in anymore. Your agent's not returning your call. You know, nobody wants to bring you in anymore. You're, you know, you're just like, you're, you're yesterday's news. And this guy battled back. I don't know how long he'll stay. He might stay another two weeks and he's out. He might stay another year. He's out. Who knows? But it's ultra competitive. you got to continue to re, almost reinvent yourself like in those, like, look, like Luka Doncic, Greek Freak, all these guys, you, you know, LeBron, Kobe, Durant, those guys are great players. They never have to worry about this stuff. But, like, for 
70% of the league literally playing paycheck by paycheck. Don't know if there's going to be a red tag in their locker and they're going to be cut the next day or traded or waived or stretched out. And like in, in NBA teams really don't care to be honest, because they, they know there's a million guys who take the spot, but it just, I read about the story. I followed them for a little bit and I, I read the story and, you know, it just goes to show it's just a tough, tough existence in the NBA for a lot of players that people don't read about because like, it's not a sexy enough story for ESPN or somebody to tweet about or, you know, but it's a, it's just really tough. You know, would you agree? Like, I mean, you've been around it so long. Yeah, hundred percent. And and he gets drafted to a fucking dumpster fire of an organization. And who knows if that had an effect, right? Like sometimes that can have an effect. You go to a team that doesn't know whether they're coming or going, they haven't had success, like, and it can affect you and your psyche and then you, you've got a bad teammate or, or a star on the team's kind of, you know, we had those stories with Fredette and, and Cousins, right? Um, you just don't know what else is going on and sometimes it's it's circumstance. You're a victim of circumstance or timing or, you know, maybe the year after you left that club, a coach came in that would have liked the way you played or didn't like the way, you know, and that's that's the toughest thing with all this. It's, it's just a, he was a victim of circumstance, went to – like I said, a dumpster fire of an organization, both winning, both development-wise, both, you know, probably communication, letting him know what he needs to do, probably was just like, what, what do I need to do? I have no idea. And it's just great to see him. He's 28 years old. Um, he's 29 in this year. And he's finally got an opportunity to, to, to get back his foot back in the league and give it one more shake. But it, it feels like it got to a point where he was like, you know what, I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to go out there and play. And if I get picked up, I get picked up. And, and he ended up, Getting picked up, and and you hope you hope you can stick for the Celtics as, even if he's on that as a 11, 12, 13 guy and waving a towel and comes in into a big playoff game and knocks down some threes, then all of a sudden he starts to solidify a role for himself um, as a as a you know professional guy they like in the locker room, and I think he'll be all those things from what I've heard about him. Heard he's a really good kid, but just yeah couldn't 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 find his way. So I, I love these stories. Um, I I obviously didn't go that route. I was I was that route probably more in the junior level, high school level, and then the pros. I had a pretty pretty steady route for 10, 15, 10 or eleven years, and then got hard towards the end with with moving around and whatnot. But yeah, man, it's especially when your livelihoods in the line. You got a kid; he's, he's probably got a wife and a girlfriend or, or a baby, and, and 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 moving all that around and living out of a suitcase. You know those guys that we would we would bring in always around this time or, or just just before this time around deadline. Um, you know, like a veteran that we're going to sign that's been out of contract or some guy from the G League and, and you bring him up for 48 hours and then just, oh, see you later, we don't like you actually. It's just like, it's a human meat market and and it is. And that's the reality of the NBA. And I'm not saying that that it should be changed. It is the reality of you getting paid a lot of money to do this, but there is a flip side of it that is brutal. And and they're usually, you know, that like Pro said, the, the 60, 70% that people don't see and read about on ESPN are the ones that, that really cop it at times and, and it's tough. It's very, very tough. Uh, I agree. I agree. All right. Just to finish off the NBA stuff. So uh, Zion's lost 25 to 30 pounds, bro. Fact or fake news. I'm going to jump early on the segment. But that's that's what we're being told. We're being, ben Simmons was on some podcast or something, spruiking it as well. They, they said reportedly he went from, um, from the Mountain Jews to Diet Mountain Jews and that's what did it. I can't confirm that that rumor, but that's what I've heard. I thought he missed a meal or two, you know, probably skipped two meals and weighed himself right away. But no, I mean, who knows? Like he's so big that like 30 pounds, I saw a couple of pictures of him and 
I think, I don't know if it was recent pictures or what have you, but he was like shooting in, you know, he had some like t-shirts. You didn't really see him. He had like a, like a bulky t-shirt on. So you don't know, but you know, I could see him lose. I mean, he was in Portland that long and hire personal trainers. Maybe. Why not? Let's just say he did. You know, the problem is folks, is he going to keep it off? Like you could come in and lose your 30 or lose your 40, you know, go to, go to specialists and diet and, trainers and you know you're not in the season you're not on planes you're not going out to gibson's in chicago <clears throat> you're not going out to you know you know you know smith malinsky's in in new york you're not going to those places and uh mccormick and schmicks and things like so yeah i mean he's lost the weight now but let's see hopefully he can keep it off and keep going look your your sources are impeccable in new orleans what are they telling you well, it's the same thing that he's more than likely not going to play. Um, he's dropping weight and making it all look good. But even if you're New Orleans, why would you why would you throw roll him out on the court now? I mean, they're probably not going to make the playoffs now. Um, I mean, Ingram, I had him, but Ingram's done his hamstring. Um, that's a big out for them, huge out. He's probably going to be two weeks, maybe three, and even when he's back, is he going to be back? It's like why would you risk chucking Zion out there for maybe a ten or 11, uh, a nine or a ten playing game? I mean, I just don't, I just don't. And then, and then obviously go into that playing game at a high intensity as well. So um, I, I don't think he plays. I think it, it just waits till next season. But um, it is, yeah, it is interesting to see. I mean, he's, he's, he definitely does have, have some weight issues that he needs to rectify. And <laughs> do you remember? Do you ever have any guys, any of your teams that had um, weight clauses? You had Eddie Curry, right? Were you at the Eddie team Curry, there? Eddie Curry with Grover. I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't with any team that Eddie okay. Curry went to. Yeah, yeah. So, did you? Oh, there was there was a few guys we had that would have like uh, body weight clauses that would be like you know you had to come into training camp at a certain uh, certain weight, and like you said, they would <laughs> they they would just basically starve themselves a couple of weeks before camp, come in, be in decent shape. Who knows if it was just starvation or whatever it was, and then and then like you said, they put it all back on in the season. Because then the team was like, oh, yep, we got him here in shape. Look what I did. Strength conditioning are like, you know, hey, we got this guy down to this weight. We're good. He fulfilled the contract or the bonus or whatever it was or he doesn't get fined. And then like you said, they stopped monitoring it. And then, yeah, they're eating four meals on the plane and and the Doritos and the M&Ms. And you're just like, you're doing the exact opposite of what you should be doing. You know what I mean? But it was all it was all box ticking when I was – early on in the league it was. And we had a few guys that definitely had the weight clauses, which was – which was tough. Like I said, that'd be called body shaming. Now you probably can't do that anymore, bro, because someone will get offended. But um, yeah, when when you're paying a guy twenty million dollars and he can't get out on the court because he's overweight, I think um, body shaming is probably the least you should be allowed to do, right? <laughs> it's like, man, like you know. So, but well, eighty-two games, hmm. eighty-two games in twenty-nine NBA cities. If you have a weakness, it's going to find it on or off the court. Twenty-nine cities, eighty-two games plus playoffs which for New Orleans means 82 games. And if you, you know, if you're going to have any type of weakness, it'll be found in an NBA season. So you can't hide. You cannot hide. Yeah, alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, strip clubs, and food. They're the ones, right? So, and every one of the, the funny thing is each each city go to's got one of those (laughs) as their theme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like New Orleans is kind of like, Mardi Gras out and about, and then you go to like some of these more sophisticated cities, you know, like in New York, that's all the drug scene and all that bullshit. And then you got, 
you go down, you maybe go to the go to Vegas for preseason. That's gambling. So every one of them's like, we're known for this vice. <laughs> Come and party yeah. with us. And it's just like you can get caught up real quick. So yes, there are very many vices that will get you in one one city. Eventually, is going to get you. Um, it might be the cheese curds in Wisconsin. You know, it might be <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. It's, it's and they've done that. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's, it's eventually going to get you. All right, moving on to the NBA, NBL and Australia. Battle for first and second, or not not yet anyway, but um, the battle at the top of the table happened uh, a couple of nights ago. Perth had beat have beaten Melbourne in Melbourne. Melbourne been playing really well with Delva Dover and a few other guys there, Joe Lawala-Chules, so they, they finally lost the game um, to Perth and they have a big game coming tomorrow against South East Melbourne, or actually it's later on today. Um I think Perth are going to surge, pro. So we spoke about um, last week that they finally got the home games back there because of the vaccination issue. I have an update on that too, pro. Last week we spoke Please about, do. yeah, they had to had to um, had to get the booster to get in. Apparently now the government has told professional athletes you do not have to get the booster anymore um, if you don't want to. If you're if you're up for it and you don't want to get it, no worries. We'll we'll let you into Perth, but. You're under strict lockdown in the hotel. You are not allowed to leave under any circumstances other than training or to the arena. You're not allowed to mingle with anyone. You're not allowed to go anywhere. If you are found to have breached pro, you can get the fines are outrageous. I don't know the number. I don't have the numbers on the top of my head, but I know the individual gets fined and then the club gets fined, and there's possible jail time um, if you breach the coronavirus restrictions, pro. So they've they've let them in. But uh, safe to say, you're not doing any sightseeing in Perth without your booster. So they've they've reneged, and that's that's actually fired up a lot of residents um, that still could not get back to their home state that was stuck out of state. So um, the athletes again have, have have to feel the brunt of it. It's not their fault; it is the government. So for everyone out there listening, don't blame the athletes, blame the government. So that that's a good one. But like I said, I think that Perth will surge. They they have a, a home heavy schedule towards the end of the season. And they're already in contention for first, second, third, um, somewhere up the top there. So they'll continue to win games there. So that'll be um, that'll be fun to watch. Now, Adelaide, the Adelaide 36 is not having a great year. They've they've spent, I mean, rumors were they're one of the highest spending teams in the league. They are they are bad. They they are just not they're not good. It's not fitting well. Uh, Kai Soto was there. Um, they, they spent a lot of money on Mitch McCarron. Um, they got a, Isaac Humphreys was there, but got hurt. So they, they've spent a lot of money, a lot of money. Dusty Hannes is there. I don't know if you know who Dusty Hannes is, but he was in the G League pro. Um, but anyway, they they're struggling. So that there was rumours that they were, they were looking at an import pro. Um, they were looking at an import a couple of weeks ago, and, and this is the funniest sh- excuse for not wanting to spend money I've ever heard in my life. Casper Ware came up for him, um, who was former Sydney King and Melbourne United player here in the NBL. Loves the NBL. He's fond fond of Australia, but he's playing in Russia at and the Russia, moment. Russia, right? Playing in Russia at the moment. Uh, playing for a, he was playing for a smaller team or, or a medium slash small team. And there were negotiations about apparently Adelaide talking to him. And, and from what I understand, from my reports were, Casper's um, agent was using Australia to leverage his client's price up in Russia. Which is what you want to do. That's what your agents paid to do. But I think some people got the the wood pulled over their eyes uh, here in Australia. But anyway, so Adelaide didn't end up signing Casper. There were negotiations. Apparently, the you know blah 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 blah. So Adelaide um, leaked to, to to a journalist live on telecast. The reason why we did not want to sign Casper Ware was because there was a Russian buyout involved, and we just morally could not agree to give Russians money, pro. 
I'm not joking. Well, that was the excuse. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of reasons for doing that. <laughs> it's it's but, one of the best. Uh, it's one of the best. That's one of the best I've heard. Yeah, it's one of the best I've heard. What can we use? That's crazy. What can we use to win the PR battle? I know there's a war in there's a war in Russia and Ukraine. Let's use that. But uh, Adelaide 36ers, whoever thought of that, I don't know if it's come from ownership or whoever your GM is at the moment or your team. That is piss poor um, for everyone out there. Th- th- they were never going to close a deal with Casper Ware. I, I know. I know for a fact that. They were used for leverage and what's happened overnight, he signed with Seska Moscow, bro. So he's uh, <laughs> he's with one of the biggest teams in in Europe, in the in the Euro League. Um, whether they're allowed to play in that is a different story. Um Yeah, they've they're not allowing any any of the Russian teams to play right now. So they're suspending all of their games. They're playing the league, but they're not uh they're playing domestic leagues, all the Imports basically left the Russian teams, and they they're playing their domestic league, but they're not playing in Euro League right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Would you should imagine getting on a flight in Russia to travel for a basketball okay. game? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. And by the way, actually, there there was a, uh, a a military drone that fell in in Croatia in my family's in my family's city in Croatia in Zagreb that came over all the NATO countries from Ukraine. It was a an older drone, like an older technology that just malfunctioned and it traveled all the way and dropped like a little, I don't know, a little crater bomb or something in, uh, in Zagreb, Croatia. You can look that up for all you people out there, but that's an interesting one. But yes, Adelaide 36ers, that's poor PR battling. Don't don't use that as an excuse as to why you lost a player that you're, you're going to now sit on, on a moral high ground because we didn't pay the buyout to Russia when that is not factual whatsoever. So do better there. Stats, useful or useless, pro. Lowest free throw percentage by an all-star post-all-star break. Courtesy of Stat Muse, of course. Who do you think will be the worst right now in the league, bro? Like overall or this year? This year? Well, you can go overall as well if you want, but this season, that's the reason why we're bringing this stat up. There's one player who's an all-star um, and post-all-star break to now has the lowest free throw percentage of any all-star post-all-star break in NBA history. Hmm. That's why I was asking if it was all time or this this year. So I yeah, all time, all time. I, but yeah, there is one player in that that's leading that all time. Wow. Which you'd you'd never guess. No, probably not. I mean, I'll probably. I mean, maybe LeBron or somebody. But no, I don't have a guess. What? Who, who is it? No. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the other names. I'll leave our man last that's playing right now. So Ben Wallace, thirty-three point seven percent. That was 0506. 36.4% was Andre Drummond. And, uh, 39.6% was Wilt Chamberlain. 40.8% Shaquille O'Neal. Leading all those at 25% is Andrew Wiggins, pro. Woo. Ouch. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. Neither would I. I, have I saw this and I was no. like, wow. That's, that's a, it hasn't been a lot of games since All-Star break. What are we in 10 games in or whatever we are? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, 25% from the line is concerning, especially as a wing, you know. Um, that, that he's a guy they have, that they have the Splash Brothers. He's a guy they generally have that um, they need to get, they need to have him get on the rim more. I mean, he does like that mid, mid-range jumper, but they need him to be that athletic wing that can get on the rim every now and then. And yeah, 25% is something that um, they definitely need to clean up coming into the playoffs. Wow. I would say for that, is useless to me because he's like a 70% free throw shooter. You know, like he's just in a funk, but wow. That is a, 
25%, but that's, that's crazy. Those, those are some really bad free throw shooters he's in company with too. I mean, you got Shaq, you got Wilt, you've got, you know, Drummond, oof, Ben Wallace. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it is tough. I think it's useful just to, you know, I think he's been a, he's been a, um, much like myself, he's been, you know, he had, he's had some yips at times in Minnesota. He had phases, right, where he'd shoot, he'd shoot 80% for a month and then shoot like 50. And then, so this is, this is normal for him to be up and down, but not this disparity. I mean, 25%, it's going to, at some point, he's going to start thinking about it a little bit more than he is. And then that's when you get in some trouble, bro. So hopefully he can sort that out. All right. The Sixers starters didn't take a single shot in tonight's fourth quarter. That was against Brooklyn, bro. It was a touching tribute to Ben Simmons in his return to Philly. Useful or useless? Sixers starters didn't take a single shot in the fourth quarter. Wow. Um, well, because they're up by 30 or whatever they were up by. Yeah, but, yeah that's but, what I'm but, saying. I'll say it's useful for the fact that they get their ass kicked. No, but it's but, a, yeah. a, a, the end part of it, pro. The kicker is it's a touching tribute to Ben Simmons in his return to Philly. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. My bad. My bad. Over your head. I'd say it's useful. Yeah, 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 way over my head. Yeah, I'd say it's useful. You say it's useful still. I think it's a useful. It's a useless stat. It's just. It's just a. It's it's a slight jab at Ben Simmons for not shooting in fourth quarters, pro. Oh, without question. Without question. I don't think it. Do you think it was really planned that that way? Or do you think it just sort of happened that way? What's that? Them them to be up thirty yeah. and not play their starters. <laughs> Oh, they yeah, that's what I'm saying. But uh, I thought it was I, it's a funny it's a funny little fucking stat though if you think about it. But yeah, how about that though? Yeah, that whole how about that that whole night oh, was interesting. Um, and I just don't understand how everyone's now getting on this thing. Like, oh, they're gonna boo him. They're gonna boo him. So what? <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's one game. Like if- they'll boo him, and then. You know, they'll probably boo him in the playoff series they play him and then they'll boo him for the rest of his career to slowly get like lower and lower. And it's like Kyrie going back to Boston, KD going back to – we discussed this last week. It's like just – it's it's not that not that big of a deal. It's like you, you're going to get booed by the team that, that traded you or cut you or that you signed somewhere else, you know, in free agency. It's just the reality of professional sports. Dude, you need a sense of humor in this game. You do because, look – at some point, you're going to have a bad night, a bad season, a bad month, whatever it is. You're going to have a, it's, something's going to be bad. Something's going to be written about you bad. Something's going to be like, you know, fans are going to say some fucked up stuff. You're going to have that guy in Philly, you know, writing that shit on the board about, you know, about something, whatever. Like, you've got to have a sense of humor and you've got to have some thick skin with this thing, man. I mean, who cares what anyone else thinks of you? You're getting paid a shitload. And this guy... You know, he's getting 30 plus million. Like, why would he give a fuck if they do boo him? And and if you're booing him, all right, go ahead. You booed him. You feel good about yourself. Who cares? But these players, not all of them, but a lot of them just, man, are they sensitive about that stuff? Like, just get there and take it. I, I've seen this a lot where a player didn't do well in a city, gets traded. The next game or two, they find a million reasons not to go to the game. You know, it's health, thick. I don't understand why, you know, I just don't understand why they duck these games. Who cares? You're going to get booed, you know. It it's is like college, it is. right? Like college, yeah. you, they'd boot every man and his dog that was a visiting team. So you just kind of got used to it, right? And then in the NBA, I think where we got pampered a little bit where it's like, oh, no, you can't boo. Like, why not? I mean, it, it is it is what it is. Like, I, I just feel like the media, 
was fueling it even more by just saying, oh, he's going to get booed. Like, like, oh, the return of Ben, you know, oh, they're going to come and boo. Oh. And then recording Philly fans in the street yelling and screaming and swearing. It's like, no shit, they're going to do that. Like, that's every, it, that's not just Philly. Like, Philly are obviously on steroids with that shit, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, they, you know, boo, they, they boo anyone. Um, the Bill Burr skit is still one of the best of all time in Philly. So I urge you to go on YouTube and type in Bill Burr Philly because it's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah. it is what it is. It's like, you know, it sucks. Um, as long as, you know, you get in there and you get the win like they did, you can leave basically with two fingers to the sky. So I don't think it was that that huge of a deal. I think it was definitely made out kind of more by the media. But I tell you what, if it does go to a playoff series, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a big deal. It is. It's going to be, um, you, you know, you just hope no one does anything stupid. That's what you hope with all this kind of shit going on. But um, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think anybody would do anything stupid, but you know, you never know out there. You know, it's just, hey, look, it's a game. You're just playing a game. People are going to talk shit. Players are going to talk shit. Fans are going to talk shit. Like I said, you're going to have some great games. You're going to have some terrible games. It, you know, no one, no one ever comes out of this thing unscathed throughout their whole career. You know, but a lot of these players, though, man, they become super fucking sensitive when like something right, somebody writes something about you, a fan says something to you. Like I could, you know, we talked about the line that, that cannot be crossed, but like in general, if you just get booed or, you know, whatever, like who cares? It's fucking basketball. It, like you said, you played in college. You've dealt with that shit on the road, you know, and, and a lot of these guys do play in college and they've dealt with it. But man, I'll tell you what, the skin is completely fucking thin on a lot of these guys. They just laugh, have a sense of humor about it. It's, but you're right. The, the media does fuel it up and, oh, it's like, like they think it's like the like the biggest thing in the world until the game's played and then they'll forget about it for a fucking year. Yeah, you know and that's the, the next thing, thing too. Like, mm. yeah, they just go to the next thing. And yeah, I watched the game; they got their ass kicked. But hey, it is what it is. Kyrie was really good. Both ends. Oh, actually, yeah. both ends of the floor. Defensively, yeah. he was. Defensively, he was. I don't think him and Harden get along too well, but uh, he was picking up, picking him up full court. And I was like, who is this Kyrie Irving defensively? You know, he he played really well. He showed me something defensively too that I haven't seen before. So um, they're looking good. They're looking good. So I think they're going to start to surge a little bit and they'll be, they'll be right in the mix. All right, last one. The Nuggets have as many wins as the Sixers, Bulls, Mavs, and Celtics. They're missing their second and third best players, bro, for the whole season. Useful or useless? That's, that's totally useful. They, they played... They've been playing really well. And it goes like you've been you've been on Jokic all year. You know, you've been on him for two years of the show. And, you know, you you love the guy and for good reason. And he's he's so valuable to that team. And Mike Malone's such a really good coach, just grinding out games. And you know how it is. This game isn't really much about coaching. It's more about your talent. In most cases, it, you know, if you have the talent, you're going to win. If you don't have the talent, you're most likely going to lose. But here they don't really have the talent. And here they are, like, you know, sticking around and and really making a difference with guys like, you know, Monty Morris and Brian Forbes and Will Barton and, of course, Jokic and Gordon, Jeff Green and DeMarcus Cousins. Like, they're, they're getting it done with, you know, they're missing, obviously, they're missing Murray and they're missing Porter. I mean, imagine missing, how many teams could you name that could miss two of their top three players? And, you know, and especially Murray, who handles the ball, like Jokic handles the ball, but he handles it differently. If you if you're getting a, a ball dominant guard that 
you know, that you're missing and you're missing another scorer, an athletic kid like Porter, like it's hard, man, to, to really survive. And they're, they're really hanging in there. It's well, yeah, I mean, you equate it to the Warriors. So you say, okay, take out, take out Draymond and Clay. <laughs> you see what you had last season, right? You know what I mean? Like, so that's what people need to understand. Take, take away two of your best three players on any team, Tatum and Brown or, or Tatum and maybe Smart or someone like that. Like, it's you're struggling, man. Like, you're really struggling. And we've seen what, Brook, what happened to Brooklyn. Jeez, I fell off a cliff. So to do that, I mean, he's 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 tough, man. And he, he, just, he just creates such a calm around all guys playing. They know they cut hard. They're going to get it, back cut, this, that. I mean, it just seems so simple. But um, it's been phenomenal to watch. I think I think Mike Malone deserves a lot of credit too. You know, he's he's done a fantastic job there with with the hand that they've been dealt. Haven't really had a healthy team for a long, long time, and they just continue to be you know getting wins they probably shouldn't have. That they're not picked to win, and, and they're going to be a good team in, in, in the playoffs. They're going to battle. So especially with that that altitude in Denver, and they're not going to be an easy beat no, no matter where they finish. So I've been a big fan, and I think that is a very useful stat considering you know who they're missing. So what do you got for us this week? All right, Vogue. So we're going to go, we're going to revolve everything around the Minnesota Timberwolves. Since nobody else wants to do it, we might as well do it. Might as well. Um, All right. So the Timberwolves will play themselves out of the playing zone and finish in the top six in the West. Fact or fake news? Ooh. So let's take a look at the standings right now. So they've got, so in the West, they are currently sitting at 38 and 30. They got 14 games left. They're 15 and a half out of first. Denver is uh, at 13 out. So they're two and a half behind Denver. And Denver's got uh, 15 games left. So, yeah, so they've, they've got about the same amount of games left. They got two and a half. Will they get out of the plan and beat out Denver in that spot after we just? We basically joined the Denver for Life <laughs> fan club. Now we're going to try to fucking yeah, we're gonna gonna try to play that it. Jedi mind trick. I got to fake news that I still have more confidence in Denver today with just consistency than I do um, Minnesota. Uh, but like I said, Minnesota's slowly starting to grow on me. They're slowly, slowly starting to show me something, but they need to show me a little bit more. Um, but I think they've had a good year. I don't think they get to six, though, bro. You? I'm going to say fake news as well. I'm a big fan of theirs, don't get me wrong, but you give Mike Malone two and a half games. This roster's been together for a while. They've been down in the dumps with this roster all year for the most part. And, you know, and they're pretty steady. They've been pretty steady. I say, I say 15, 16, you know, 14, 15 games is too few to get to, get to that two and a half spot. So I'm going to say fake news. All right, Boats. Again, Minnesota based. Anthony Edwards is a top 10 player, 26 and under in the NBA right now. Now, I will give you some names, all right? So I'll, is he in the top 10? I have this database that I, had, that I created that I could uh, pull up rankings and stuff like that. And here are the players that are under 26 and under right now. You got Doncic, Giannis, Jokic, Tatum. Booker, Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Shea uh, Gildress Alexander, Ingram, Sabonis, Edwards, 
Levine, and I'll stop it at that. That's 17 names. Uh, all right, you know what? Ben Simmons is in there too. Oh, Ben Simmons and Towns are in there as well. So, is he top 10 under 26? You... No, fake news. Fake news. Fake okay. news. Nah, I think he's he's fringe. He's teetering somewhere. You could argue to have him as a 9-10 maybe, but I, I, I don't have him in my 10 at the moment, not with that list of names. I think he he needs to show me a little bit in the playoffs first. Um, he shows me something this season in the playoffs. Maybe I'll, I'll rethink it, but I think he's I think he's somewhere he's somewhere between, I'd say, 10 and 14, somewhere in that, in that realm in yeah. my opinion. I agree. Fake news as well. And I got him right, right around there. So here's some names and you tell me, would you take like for age where he is and where, where, what he's done so far, you know, with all, but the, obviously how young the kid is and what he's doing now and all that. All right. So let me give you, let's say Julius Randall, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, um, Sabonis and Edwards. So those five, would you, where would you put him in that sort of list of five? Because those are the guys that are sort of like him. I think those guys are competing, in my opinion, you know, probably for the like to get into like the 12th spot. Like, I think those guys are like 12 to 17 Mm -hmm. or so, you know, so would you put, so you had Sabonis, you've got uh, Randall, you've got Brown, you've got, Levine and, and you've got Edwards. Oh, that's Where a tough one. Yeah. Him? I think. Yeah. I mean, you could argue each, every one of those guys, right? <laughs> like, I think. I think every, it's 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 close. I mean, I'd probably have gun to my head. I'd say I'd probably go Brown, then then Edwards, yeah. um, and uh-huh. then and then it's a crapshoot. Other than that, really, I mean, um, yeah. I think Julius. I would have had him there last season. I probably would have had him at. at at the top of that list last season, but I think he's lost a lot with, with everything that he's kind of gone through this season. I don't think he's been the best teammate, the best leader at times. So I think um, that's hurt him a little bit and, and they've yeah. had a horrible year and he, you go as far as your star player takes you. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I'd have it out of Edwards and Brown, but I'd still probably put Brown on top just because they're playing so well. Okay. Yeah, me too. I, I would say fake news. I have him, I have him right around 16 or 17, but it is pretty cool to go to those lists and figure out who you like. And, and, and again, it's just an, another, another way of just explaining how hard it is. Like when you say a guy like, you know, like a Damian Lillard, like Damian Lillard is a great player, but like you put him into the top five conversation and you can't, it's impossible. Nah, and you no say, way. Oh yeah. Damian Lillard. I said, yeah, Damian Lillard is a great fucking player. Puts up fucking mega numbers, but to get in that top five, you know, if you're talking about overall and now, now we're talking about age stuff, but to get into that list and, you know, Edwards is a great player and all those players that we just listed is a great player, but in the top, you know, 26 and under list, you know, if you, if you're really thinking about that, like, how are you going to break off with, I mean, Doncic, Giannis, you know, um, Joker, those are the top three in any order that you want. And then you get guys like John Morant's there. And you've got Tatum there now. You've got Booker. You know, I mean, that's like eight names right off the bat to try to get in that top 10. We haven't even talked about Trey Young yet or DeAndre Ayton yet or, you know, guys like that. You know, Bam Adebayo, he, he's, he's doing really well. So it just goes to show you how much talent's in the league. And when you just throw out these names about, oh, this guy could be a top 20 player. Well, you sure about that? Like, you fucking watch these players in this league and 
look at their stats and look what they do and look at their age and look how they impact the game. It's, you know, it's pretty cool exercise to just sort of go through. Actually, it's not cool at all. It's probably pretty geekish and I got no fucking life, but <laughs> it is a pretty, it is a pretty interesting deal to, 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 to look that up. All right. Last one. Minnesota can make a conference final in the next five years. Fact or fake news? That's a tough not one. Not win it. Yeah, yeah not no, win make it. it. Make it. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. So you got to look at who they're trumping. I think the Grizzlies are going to be All up. Right. Grizzlies will be up there for a number of years. I think the Warriors still stretch out probably two to three more years, maybe more. Um, the Jazz, Dallas. On, yeah, Dallas. Uh, Denver should be squeaking out another four, you know, four or five. Ooh, uh, the Clippers get healthy, um, and you know the Lakers are going to try to do something after the not after the, after not after this next season, the season after. Um, ooh, and then you can spur, I don't. I'm going to go the under. I'm going to say fake news. I, I think they, yeah, I'm going to go fake news. They got to show it to me. They got to they got to show me they can they can they belong in the playoffs first, bro. They got to show me they can get to a first round. Possibly to a second before we can start talking conference finals, but five years is a long crystal ball. It's a tough one, but if I had to gun to head, I'm going to say fake news. No conference finals for the Wolves in five years. I'm going to say fact. I'm going to say fact, and here's where I think it's going to happen. In the next five years, I think the top three teams. And now look, they need a little luck to get in there. No doubt about it. I think the top three teams in the West in five years from now are most likely is most likely going to be Dallas, Memphis, and Minnesota, of all places, right? No big, no big name in there. But I think with those young players that they have, and you know, Dallas is going to have cap room. They already have a good core of players, and they've, they've got, they'll have money to spend, and they can get somebody else. If, you know, if they keep Luca and all that together, they, they'll be a top three team. I think Minnesota with their young talent and they're not killing it salary cap wise yet, and they could still acquire a decent player or two. They have a chance just because of their young guys. They have, they stay injury free, knock on wood. You know, maybe you redo Russell's contract where it's a little bit less than his next deal. And then allows you to you know, a little bit of freedom to, you know, to sort of, to sort of sign some players or, you know, to do something like that. I think, you know, I think that's big. And then Memphis, obviously, with the young players they have, if they can keep Ja there and then he could stay healthy. That's the biggest thing with Ja Morant to me, though, folks. Like, the way he plays, it's very, you know, it's a lot like Westbrook or even Zion where he's he puts so much fucking pressure on his limbs when he, you know, how he dunks and how he changes directions and changes speed. I just worry about, I worry about his health. But if they could keep him healthy, with the young players that they have. And, you know, I think that those guys, look, the Lakers are going to, it's going to take a while. I think in five years, it's going to really be hard for, you know, I think it's going to be, I think Utah is going to disband, disband at some point. Like, I think they're going to like break it up. Golden state is going to be a shell of themselves in five years from now. You know, I think that they're going to have to go another direction. And I don't know, you know, you know how hard it is to get right back on top. And I think it's really tough, especially with the money that they have to spend. Like, you know, San Antonio was a different, they were a different beast because, you know, Duncan, Duncan didn't take all this money, you know, and their salary cap, they could play around with it a little bit. You know, like Golden State really can't play around with their salary cap. They've got, 
those three guys making a fucking shitload of money, and it's really hard for them to maneuver. Utah is going to disband. I don't know how long Denver could sort of keep this going. The Clippers, those guys are going to be gone by then. You know, you know, Kawhi is going to be somewhere else. George will probably be somewhere else. Um, and I think that these guys, if they could stay together in these three cities, I think that they're going to have enough to at least challenge for a conference final. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm full of shit. Phoenix Suns are very good, but I want to see them without Chris Paul and where they go from there. Now, I think those players are going to get much better. Like I think Booker and Aiton, have, they have another gear to go with, with as far as like what they can do. But I think that I think that uh, Minnesota can definitely have a, a legit chance in the next five years, probably three to five. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next, most likely. But if those guys could take their lumps and keep getting better and keep just battling through this, I think they'll have a chance for a conference final. The now one they thing, won't win. The, the one thing you're forgetting is the, the the city of Minnesota is in a hotbed for free agents that want to stay there. Um, so you know, all it takes is for Edwards or Town to eventually want out, and then yeah. th- things could change. So we'll watch that space. And then and shout out to Memphis Grizzlies by the way that their re- their rebuild rebound was quick. Usually, you know, these small market teams it takes a little bit longer than it has, a la Sacramento. <laughs> um, but Memphis were only in the conference finals. Um, you know. Years before, uh, what what was that? 2014-15. So, and had that, that that really dominant, really good regular season team, grit and grind, and and they're, they're back at the top now. So it's good to see them back that quickly. One thing I want to finish on, pro. We touched on our Rick Barry thing last year, last week, and um, our producer Steve has given us a letter. He's actually a referee, Steve. Um, pro, if you, if you didn't know, he's actually a, a ref spot local basketball games here. And I thought it was a good letter, so I'm going to read it out. So um, here's his thoughts on on everything that we discussed. So just offering my thoughts on issues raised last last week's show with the NBA officiating. This is from the perspective of a referee working at a domestic grassroots level. The issue of NBA players flagrantly traveling has been a pet peeve of mine and many I work with for many years. A situation, if anything, is becoming more commonplace each season. And it has serious flaw and effects on the way the game is being played right down the line from the elite levels to those where I'm working. We are constantly seeing NBA players travel. Clear, obvious, often deliberate violations of what is supposed to be basic fundamentals in our game. I have even seen vision on multiple occasions with highest profiles. LeBron is a big offender where the ball is received inbound following a successful basket. We've mentioned this pro. Um, the player holding the ball takes multiple steps before even bothering to dribble. There's a notorious one of LeBron doing that at the half court line. I think that was against the Utah Jazz when Bogdanovich was guarding him where he just picked the ball up mid-dribble mid just with three steps and then kept dribbling. Um, continue on. This is this is now being compounded by FIBA adopting the practice of zero step into their rules. The zero step is another abomination brought about by NBA players being allowed to travel constantly, presumably in the name of making a play look more spectacular. Prior to, say, the 2000s, we didn't see this happening. Nowadays, we see it everywhere. And so rather than emphasize the requirements of enforcing travel calls, FIBA basically reneged to pressure from uh, – reneged from the pressure from the NBA – and they've changed the rules. Here we are. If the aim was to stop NBA players from being pinged for traveling every traveling anytime they played in the World Cup or an Olympics, it was successful. I'll say that much. So why is this an issue at domestic levels? Every kid coming through the ranks, every young person with dreams of being the next big, next big thing 
And even those who just want to play the game for fun see this behavior at those elite levels, note the complete lack of rule enforcement, and naturally assume they can get away with it themselves. Every time a LeBron, LeBron James takes a half a dozen steps before a dribble, every time a James Harden takes that extra step or two for his famous step back, every time this isn't called, it makes life for domestic officials all over the planet just that much more difficult. Oftentimes, at the levels I work, we're not trying to officiate a game, but also trying to educate young players on how to play properly. We need elite players to do better and just abide by the basics. It cannot be that hard, surely. On the subject of illegal screens, he just goes on to say that a player can set a screen, but if the official has to divert their attention momentarily to anything else, they can reposition in a way that the breach of the rules is undetected, fair point, Steve. So basically saying that a ref has a lot to look at. That's how guys like myself can get away with holding and grabbing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting letter. That's from Steve, who, who does our, our production here at Rogue Bogues. What are your thoughts on it, Pro? We, we kind of discussed this, that it will it will go correlate down to or drip down to the juniors and then have them hoisting, you know, half-court threes and step-back threes and traveling and thinking that it's the normal because their because their idol does it, right, Pro? So I think it's, it's a valid point to hear from someone who's day-to-day, every weekend, refereeing grassroots. I totally agree. I, I totally agree. It trickling down is the problem. You know, look, if it happens at the NBA level, the highest of high levels, you know, and it stays there, all right, I can see that. I'm not a big fan of it, but okay. The problem is every kid wants to emulate that. And, and then when you're trying to teach, and you're trying to teach a young kid, like, no, that's a travel. But he'll, he'll pull out his phone or she'll pull out their phone, and they'll, they'll show you an NBA player doing it eight times the game before, and it never goes called. It goes, well, if they get away with it, I want to do it. And they don't understand that it's a different level and it's just different. And like, I could see not wanting to foul out uh, a superstar and maybe not calling the foul that was a, a clear foul or giving them a foul when they go to the basket. But the travels for sure need to be, they, they need to be called equally across the board. It, it gets to be a little bit much. The step back, you know, the step back deal to me, giving them three steps from the step back, you know, and now what happens, Bogues, in my opinion, like when I was talking to NBA referees 10, 12 years ago about travel calls, now, like it was a black and white thing. It was like, look, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Now they're saying on the gather, you have two steps after the gather, which before the gather, when you dribble the ball and before the gather, you can get three or four steps up before you get to your gather, and then and then another two. You can get five or six steps. It just to me, there's too much gray area with traveling, and the young kids do it, and it just teaches bad fundamentals, and it just, it's ruining our game at the lower levels because of the fact that you know. And then the referees, some call it, some don't. So it's not really like the rule that's being affected. It's you know, who's calling it and, and, and who's it, who's protecting the rules and actually abiding by them and who's just letting everything go because, again, they watch, you know, they watch all these players do it the night before. So, yeah, I, I think it's a problem. I think it needs to be – I don't think it's ever going to be dealt with, but I think it needs to be dealt with because it's, it's tough. The FIBA thing's pretty interesting too. Their travel rules compared to the United States. Yeah, but like Steve said, they've, they've tweaked it. They've, they've started to, like in those big tournaments where the Team USA plays, they tweak it, you know, and that's that's the frustrating thing. I think the most disrespectful one is is the one on the inbounds where a player just literally catches the ball and just 
takes four steps yeah. and just basically is just daring the referee, like call, call me for a backcourt travel on LeBron James. Like you're not going to do that. They're the disrespectful ones. Like, you know, a little little shuffle of the feet. Everyone does that every now and then. It's, it's perfectly normal. You get away with it sometimes, sometimes you don't. But the blatant disrespecting of the rules, how have we let the game come to that is not right. And, and you know, it sounds like a get off my grass rant, get off my lawn rant, you know. But the rules are there for a reason, you know, because if you don't have the rules, let's say there's, let's say there is – two or three tra- blatant travels that had happened throughout the game. We're not going to call them because it's LeBron. And then the game-winning plays a travel and he makes the shot and they don't call it. Oh, we haven't caught it all game. Well, well, you've caught it for like the 15th guy that just got off the bench in garbage time. And it happened in the playoff series. There was that infamous playoff series against the um, Washington Wizards when LeBron was with the Cavs where he, he was doing the infamous crab dribble where he'd power up and then take two or three steps and then and then he hit a game-winner doing it, you know, and – um that's where it gets murky and then that affects betting, that affects GMs getting fired, coaches getting fired, guys like Pro getting fired, me getting traded. You know what I mean? Like the ramifications of those plays can be huge. So I think it's I think it's very, very important we stick to the rules and I, I like the letter from Steve. So I thought, you know, we can hear from someone. We're both obviously involved in the pro game more, than, more often than not. Um, but to see someone on the, every weekend work in the local community leagues and refereeing and seeing what, what kids are doing, he knows. And, and he's, if he's seeing it as a problem – you know, you feel for administrators because, like you said, I, I should be able to do that because LeBron does it. Well, yeah, but the rule book here in black and white. Oh, you know, I don't need the rule book. Look at my phone. LeBron's doing it, and and then, and then that's where you're like, okay, it's it's a tough argument to win that against a child that has a phone or or, or computer or whatever. So hopefully, administrators out there can clean that up because it definitely needs to be fixed before before it's too late, pro. You know, and it's anarchy out there, and we can just we can just basically kick the ball and we can run out of bounds. You can step out of bounds, just not your whole shoe. And, you know, you can goaltend, but just not all the time. And, and you can have six players on the court one week. Just don't, don't make sure, make sure it's not a habit. We want to be, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's playing, you know, so stick to the rules, people. That's my point. Hey, folks, look out your fucking window. Trust me. It's anarchy out there anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The, yeah just that is life. On. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to our politicians. Anyway, that is it. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Rogueboys57 in the books. Pro, take it easy. Don't eat too much. We'll see you next week. I'll see you guys. Thanks.